to another episode of the Swans Block Swans Cast. In this episode, I am joined by Stephen Trelaw from Over the Line Sports. Stephen, how are you? Uh, not too bad, Justin. Still recovering after the Geelong loss. Um, oh, mate, the morning. You, you, you're mourning too long. You've got to get over it. Uh, my bottle shop is definitely well in business. <laughs> thank you. But, uh, <laughs> you're well stocked nah, in the cupboard with your vodkas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, there's been a lot happening. Uh, so last night we had the Brownlow medal count and the Swans were quite well represented. Mm, very well. But um, the calls for Josh Kennedy to be All-Australian or at least explain why he wasn't All-Australian just keep getting louder with the fact that he polled fourth in the Brownlow, um, more than 20 votes for consecutive seasons. And same with Franklin, he got 22 yeah, and one of basically, and Tom Mitchell as well, who, come on, let's face it, we he owes it to us for all the development we have put into him. I think we should pat ourselves on the back for that one as well. Three swans, well, one former swan in the top yep. in the top five. I think, um, yeah, something we should definitely pat ourselves on the back for. And also, um, equal most votes with Adelaide, I think it was, like, uh, amongst all the players. So, no, it yeah, was a... Yeah, did pretty well. It was, a, it was a good year for us on the Brownlow front. I was a little bit apprehensive as to how we'd go but no very happy with that well i have my uh, twitter feed going where i have my franklin guesstimate and i think i was being maybe a little bit too optimistic and um i think i had him guesstimated out to about 35 or 38 votes but, um, <laughs> not, even, not even close <laughs> he um ended up on 22 so uh, you know Worthwhile in the end, I think he did pretty well. Um, well he's back. He was the only he was the only non midfielder in the top ten. Let's just yeah. It's... The the medal these days is just so weighted towards midfielders; it's ridiculous. And mm. I, I I know Tom Mitchell had a great season for the Hawks. He made All Australian. Uh, you know, there's been some you know some commentary in the news recently about. Uh, how the Swans losing him, you know, made sure that we couldn't win a grand final, that sort of thing. You know, that the general Absolutely sort of nonsense that we had at the start of the season. Complete bollocks. It, it, makes, it makes me so annoyed when they bring up, like, you know, Tom Mitchell was the reason oh, yeah. we yeah. did so badly. Like, I'm actually happier with our midfield this year than I was last year. Yes, yes, so. Yeah, but the same... The same thing happened in 2015 with Mumford, remember? Wait, when we yeah, started yeah. losing, it was like, oh, no, you've lost Mumford. You've lost Jed Lamb. <laughs> you've <laughs> lost, you lost so many players like Biggs and Membry. Mm, swans, oh, swans. I'd kill it. <laughs> I'd kill that Membry at the moment. Uh, nah, I, I think we're better off. Um, mm. Look, uh, I, I was a bit bemused by some of the votes that they got. Um, I still remember Trelaw's handball hero, you know, mimicking uh, when the when the Pies beat them early in the year. That was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. uh, he's pretty smart too. He uh, he loves to get the ball and handball it. Yeah, he's he kicking, sure does. Yeah, his kicking is still just as bad as it ever was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, and that, that's a good that's a good thing for the rest of the comp because if his kicking improves, like say like a Josh Kelly's, kind yeah. Of, Class oh, becomes elite, yeah. Be, yeah, truly elite, like gen, gen, once in a generation sort of player. Yeah, exactly. But uh, fortunately, he's um, a bit of a hack with the ball, so yeah. no problem. Yeah. <laughs> no problem with that. He can get his sixty as long as he keeps handballing it backwards. Got no problem with that. <laughs> now, typically, we do our um, hero and villain of the week. But given there's no swans, and to be honest, there aren't that many heroes, um, we can kind of look at the Brownlow medal for where the heroes are at, or the fact that um, Richmond won, they got through to their first grand final for 30 years. But I think it's uh, perhaps more appropriate to look at villains this week. So, I don't think you're going to disagree with me on this one. No. Now, my first villain is the MRP. Yeah, Would you definitely. agree? Yeah. yeah. So, 
I think the MRP is basically dead and buried in its current form. At the end of this season, after the grand final, I would be shocked if it doesn't get scrapped uh, and thrown on the you know the scrap heap because it's a mandate. It's clearly failed to just be a box ticking exercise. And um, Gerald Whiteley today he said that the MRP was operating outside their like standard operation procedure they're not supposed to find ways to get cochin off they're supposed to be a box ticking exercise they look at incidents they tick it and then they send it to the tribunal doesn't matter if the tribunal says not nah, we can get it off they shouldn't be doing what they did and what do you think of that sort of cochin and um alice situation well put it this way if it happens at any time in the regular season um he would have got a fine, and he would have yep. been out for the next one. A fine, at least. Yep. Unquestionably. Um, and should he? I think, I think a fine was probably the most likely option. Um, that's kind of what I was. Well, I mean, it's the grand final and stuff, yep. so you kind of, you know, all of, uh, the word fairy tale comes to mind. But you, know, you don't want the final to see it. Yeah, true. You don't. You don't. You want. You want it to be the best of the best, but at the same time. You know, it's a. It's got to be fair. It, it, yeah, it's got to be fair, and kind of rankles at me a bit that, you know, I mean, uh, Josh Kelly posted a picture of, you know, him having the ball and Cochin going in for the bump, and there are questions to be asked from this. I think, yeah, definitely. Yeah, oh, there are, and look, the MRP has been wildly inconsistent since its inception. I think it was um two thousand and four or two thousand and five. Yeah, somewhere uh, around there. And around I remember the, the very first big incident they had, which, mm. and we're going to talk about him later, was the Barry Hall punching um, that uh, fella from St Kilda in the guts of the ball. Stephen Baker? No, 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 no. As a defender, he went to Brisbane. Oh, um, oh, bloody hell. I can't remember his name, but he went to Brisbane. Oh. I think he... <laughs> Had a broken leg or something up in Brisbane, or he retired Maguire. up in Brisbane. Maguire, that's who it yes, was. Maguire, yes, yes, and he whacked well, him Jerry. in the guts off the ball, and Maguire was, mm. you know, on his all fours for about ten minutes afterwards, and yeah, a bit, bit winded, a bit winded, forty-five meters off the ball, and mm. somehow the MRP, baffling so, decided that it was still in play, forty-five meters off the ball. And yeah. I, I think that's precedent for grand finals. I mean, if you can't suspend Barry Hall for something that should get two or three weeks, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's disappointing. Yeah, it's I think. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, the next one, and uh, you raised this, but I agree with you on this one, Gary Ablett. He's one of the best players uh, of our generation, uh, but yep, I, the and yeah, the idea of him signing a contract and then going to sign to wanting to go home and saying he'll retire if he doesn't get to Geelong and all that sort of thing. I mean, it gives the journalists something to, and us something oh, to yeah. talk about Constantly. during the off season. But gee, it's a it's a pretty kind of big call for him to make, isn't it? It is, and he did it last year, and he's doing it again, and I think the Suns are well within their rights to demand from Geelong something really good in return, or and they basically... Um, yeah, so as we're, as we're talking tonight, the kind of rumours, the, the whispers yeah. around the traps at the moment is that the Gold Coast are asking for Mitch Duncan, who yeah. I, I'd call Geelong's third best midfielder behind Sword and Dangerfield. <laughs> I still wouldn't trade. Not that's not a trade that will ever happen. Uh, oh, as, no. as good as Apple has been years over old his, his prime, yeah. yeah, he's um thirty four, isn't he? 32, oh, 32, 30, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's thirty four, but he's 30, yeah. he's past his prime, that- and yeah, it's uh, it's a shocking one. Uh, it's one of those situations where I think the Suns they have to exercise their right to keep him. And if he doesn't want to play for the Suns anymore, they force him into retirement. Well, that's the thing. Well, I'm not sure if they can. If they'd have to... If Gary says, oh, I'm not going to play, I'm going to retire, his salary would still be on their books for the season. And that's when someone of Gary's stature 
from a financial sense. Um, when that's out, you're basically shooting yourself in the yeah. foot for all 18, which... He's only I mean, 33, so... 33, there you go. Yeah, and he's behaving the way um, he is. Yeah. I'm with the Suns on this one. They need to They need to um, call his bluff and uh, force him to honour his contract. It, it's getting to a point, I think, where a lot of players have so much influence and uh, they have so much flexibility, but also the clubs are giving them too much. It's more along the lines of we don't want any bad play or any bad blood in our change rooms. We don't want any disruptive players in our change rooms. If you want to go, we'll get rid of you. And we'll let you go to where you want to go and we'll make a deal with that club. It's um, It's ridiculous. I I think I do agree. And I think that in terms of trades, power should go back towards the clubs a bit more rather than the players. It has to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're the, they're the big players in it. And well, I still remember um, when Buchanan and uh, Dempster and Schneider were on holidays and they got mm. traded. Yeah. It, it wasn't even a case of, do you guys want to leave? It was phone call. You guys have been traded to uh, St. Kilda in Brisbane. Pack your packs when you get back home. <laughs> it was, it was shocking. Never these days. It would never happen. No, the players would go, yeah, no, nah, my manager's going to tell you to nick off and I'll go wherever I want when I get back. I mean, there was um, actually there was an article I saw about uh, Mitch Brown, who yep. was at um, at West Coast. There was an article about um, how he kind of felt and reacted when they oh yes when they yes said I listed. Yes, I remember this one. It was a good article too. Yeah, it was really good. It was um, kind of one of those rare kind of real, you know, honest articles um, and interviews. It was um, like I might. Um, Post links in the comments for the um, for this podcast if anyone wants to have a, yep. a read of it. But um, yeah, I mean, if you if the club wants to kick someone out, then they can do that. But when it comes to trading and you know getting something for a player, the power is definitely in the player's hands, especially if they're any good. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, probably the best example of that recently would be Dangerfield. Mm, yeah. Now he was uh, a restricted free agent at the time and everyone knew he wanted to go to Geelong but Adelaide no other club tried to make a move no Adelaide didn't try to entertain any other moves from any other clubs uh Tippett originally Brisbane um I'm just trying to think McAvoy he wanted to go to Hawthorne Tom Mitchell wanted to go to Hawthorne uh there's a lot of players who would have had interest uh from a lot of different clubs but their parent club or where they're at at the time just didn't entertain it. And maybe the player put forward or their manager put forward terms that other clubs just couldn't satisfy, whether or not they were financial um, performance indicators or whatnot, or the player just made it clear that they just did not want to go to that club. Yeah. I mean, sorry me if I'm wrong, but I thought that's kind of part of the free agency thing. That was kind of so you know, give the players a bit more power there and let the clubs do what they want to, you know, you want to trade someone, then do it that way. But yeah, I'm not sure it's quite working too well. No, it's pretty much made the trade period almost a restricted free agent period itself. Yeah. Because the AFL does um, give back... um, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, So when a player... What's that? Compensation. Compensation, yes, exactly. So the mm. AFL gives back compensation to clubs when their players leave through uh, free agency, which mm. that's a flawed system in itself, but yep. that's what they do for equalization. However, the fact that players are demanding to go to clubs and the teams, the clubs have to trade, uh, you're getting trades that would never happen. Value is non existent. Or the value is Tom just Mitchell. so inflated over the top. Tom Mitchell for pick fourteen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, or I think he, what- yeah, if he went to the, if he went to his true value, and especially given what he's done this year, he'd have to be a top ten, top five pick sort of thing. He'd be basically two first round picks. Mm, yeah, and you could say the same for I think Zach Tui, Zach Smith at Geelong, uh, Henderson as well at Geelong. Mm. Um, so, like, a lot of clubs have tried to load up on those players. 
And I remember Judd, uh, he was the very, the first probably major um, value trader the, of the uh, this century, or at least this decade, or the last 20 years rather. And he went for what was considered not even his value at the time. But he made it clear that he would only go to Victoria and he'd only go to one of two clubs. And one mm. club very early on said, we can't afford him. So, and, and that's a, that was an instance of West Coast with their hands tied behind their back. Mm. But uh, look, they got Kennedy. And in the end, they made another grand final. And I think um, Judd played maybe three finals at Carlton. And got an Brownlow, didn't he? He got another Brownlow, endless best and fairest, because everyone else at the club sucked. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had no... It's basically ever that the Suns, he had no competition. You know, right. I think he's one of the best. In, yeah, go. Yeah. So, speaking of um, Judd and, you know, everyone else at Carlton being crap, uh, one of, <laughs> uh, one of uh, Swan's favourite Suns today announced his retirement. Yes. Uh, Jeremy Laidler. Thank you, Mick Malthouse. Oh, praise be. I mean, <laughs> he ruined Carlson. He helped the Swans. And, I mean, what what can't the guy do? <laughs> um, <laughs> that was... Uh, yeah. That was by far the most shocking uh, delisting of that period. That was... I remember um, reading about that and seeing Carlton delist Jeremy Layla, and I just remember thinking, what the hell is Malthouse doing delisting one of their best defenders hmm. I'm glad and we picked him up during that time we were, we were kind of going through a transition phase in terms of our list and our defence Laidler was so good for us in that yeah, regard absolutely. He's, been such a, he's been such a good servant of this club um, even you know playing mostly in the reserves uh, this year and quite a bit last year as well he's just done everything everything that's asked of him and he hasn't complained. He hasn't made right. waves. He's gone and done it. And he's acted professionally. And on top of that, he um, he's batting. I'd say he's batting well above his um, grade at the moment. Oh yeah, I, I, I must admit I haven't seen. Uh, <laughs> he's low, uh, but <laughs> he's he's better half. Um, she is um, quite a attractive young talented woman who does a, like a lot of the uh, Swans girlfriends and uh, wives a lot of them yes. do their own thing so she's um, I think she's a news presenter okay yeah you know, on, like the uh, around the around the place um, journalists so you know on the on the um, camera and whatnot but she's yeah. pretty good at it so she's talented in her own right she's got her own career and um, she just happens to be a, a very beautiful individual well Jeremy, tell you what, you deserve the best, mate. Good luck to you in the future. I'll tell you what, he's, um, he's actually going to be one of the academy coaches in the future as well. So it's great to see Absolutely this. amazing, yeah. He's still with the club. Um, again, thank you, Mick Bolthouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty amazing that the club has managed to retain a lot of their former players. So mm. you've got uh, Nick Davis, Reece Shaw, um, I think Mike, Michael O'Loughlin, he's doing some work or did some work at the academy. Yeah, uh, he was the coaches uh a couple of years ago i don't i don't think he's there anymore though yep uh he also did um australia institute of sport um and then you've yep, got yep. brett kirk who's come back uh came back yeah and now you've got jeremy laidler but there are uh, a number of jared crouch. yeah jared crouch and then after next year you're going to have jared mcveigh uh, i'd be yeah. shocked if he left the swans pretty much ever uh, so, Paul Ruse as well. Paul Ruse was a former player. Yeah. He came back and coached. So, I think the Swans do really well with um, coach and player retention. So, it just goes to show that they have the culture up there to uh, sustain that. So, and now for our last villain. Uh, yeah. This came through today. I was a bit... It was a big shot when I saw it. Barry Hall, go on the biff again. I just, I just had to kind of hide my eyes when I... <laughs> Absolutely. And he um, did um he did that face to face with Brent Staker just two months ago. Yeah, yeah. And that was um 
that in itself was superb viewing just you know he, he said he's changed he's turned a leaf you know he's got his kids and he doesn't want to be known for that anymore he doesn't believe in that sort of thing and then you see him doing that almost Brent Staker clone act on the field but except this almost, time he's gone yeah. with a slap it's just like come on you know, a, tiger, and, it, um, a tiger can change its stripes, but it's always the same or something. It's always a tiger. Uh, so, or, or leopard, leopard, leopard spots, spots, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about uh, MRP being, being the villain. Yeah. Barry Hall only gets one week for that. Yeah, MRP needs uh, a full season, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's not just, not just the pros that have problems with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So... Let's go through um, some recent happenings at the uh, club. We'll, we'll tick on the um, Brownlow later on. But mm. after we had our last podcast, we had our first round of delistings uh, announced. And to be honest, there was, I would think, absolutely no surprise who was delisted. Uh, we have Michael Talia. He played one game for the club. And uh, I be- he played about 60 minutes. That was about it for the senior team until he did his foot. Yeah. And then later on last year, he um, did some, you know, back alley shenanigans. And uh, that pretty much stamped his, uh, stamped his ticket. Everyone knew at that point that um, he wasn't going to get another look in unless something drastic happened. And as it was, he got yeah. delisted. And uh, to be honest, he wasn't really worth it. I would be surprised if any club picks him up other than as uh, almost a rookie rookie for depth. Then you've got Leonidas. Uh, he didn't get any look in. Um, he looked okay in the kneeful, but uh, I don't think he'll get picked up again. Uh, then Brandon Jack, his um, AFL career is pretty much done. I, I think he played uh, around 27, 28 games for the Swans. Not many. Um, no, he only had one game this year as well. Yeah, and he's, he's just never been really up to that AFL level. Um, I mean, I see, you kind of see on social media and stuff, so people saying, oh, from other teams, so like, oh, can we yeah. put him up as a, is this guy any good sort of thing? But nah. um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it'd be great for, it'd be great for him if he got um, another chance at AFL level, but... I, yeah, I'm just not quite sure he's up to it, to be honest. I, he can play, but the problem mm. is, um, he, I, I remember uh, Koshi not too long ago. He said that uh, he doesn't want players at the club that just want to play AFL and they're happy to play AFL. And mm. to me, Brennan Jack, he kind of has that uh, bit of a. He gives you that impression that he's just happy to play football. Mm. He can play, there's no question, but uh, he's probably too small to play the position that he's best at. And even the Neefel, he yeah. struggles at times. So, I, Yeah, I, I agree that he he hasn't been able to play his preferred position, especially in seniors. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, to be fair, he has captained the Neefel team to a grand final this year. Yeah, and he did well you know, throughout the season yeah. as well. So yeah, you can't yeah, knock had, him for that. He's had a year in the reserves, but yeah, hasn't been able to, you know, take that to the next step and he's at that age now where it would be better off to, um, you know, take a punch on someone in the national rookie draft, um, start with someone a bit younger again and see if we yeah, can exactly. develop the next star. Yeah, exactly. And um, he'll still be around while his brother's still around, so I don't think yeah. the club has seen the last of him, but I imagine he'll be still in Sydney next year, probably playing for Sydney Uni or maybe one of the um, other clubs in the state. Uh, then we also had Sean Edwards with the bizarre retirement announcement. Um, I was really surprised by this, given the fact that he was twice elevated in the season. And uh, I think he was twice el- uh, named as an emergency as well. Yep. I, I, was, I was quite a bit sad, actually, to hear that because... This guy has got talent. I, I think that's it's un, it's pretty undeniable that when he's on, and I'm, I've I recall him uh, in some Essendon games, he can he can be a game like a game changing sort of player. It's just the I think the mental side of it and the work ethic. I, I posted yep. a tweet kind of suggesting it was pure conjecture, and I don't want it to be considered anything else. But um, whether he was kind of you know a bit miffed that he didn't get. Uh, a senior debut for the Swans, um, and 
maybe he didn't think he could. He had the kind of, I don't know, the desire to stick it out for another season and try again. It's possible, and I know we talked about that as well. And um, you know, there's there's always the talk that maybe he got the tap on the shoulder or. Again, like you said, maybe he figured he might not have it in him to go through it again next season. Maybe even the Swans said, you know, we might re-rookie you if you're interested in doing that. So, but it's, his, it's, it's, his, not, it's yeah. only not old enough or, you know, injury-prone enough to be considering retirement for that, for that sort of reason. No, I know, which is the really surprising thing. So, uh, to be honest, I think you're... Uh, point of view, your assertion makes the most sense because if a player still thinks that he can do it, he's going to work hard, go to clubs and, you know, really try and do it. But if he's come to the conclusion that maybe maybe this is the end, then uh, I'm, I'm not surprised um, by that, to be honest. But, you know, I, I really wanted to see him play and I thought at the start of the season, he should have played. He was definitely one of the better players in the preseason cup. He was actually pretty good mm. in the preseason cup, along with and he was um, great for the reserves as well. Playing he was, every, yeah. Defence board on the wing. He was, yeah, playing everywhere. Look, he was uh, his best performances came um, on the forward flank and midfield, and yeah. he looked a cut above when he played in the midfield. So it's disappointing, but um, yeah. right, best look, of luck, man. Though. Definitely best of luck. And uh, he joins Jeremy Laidler as having retired. And uh, as we said before, Jeremy Laidler is going to stick around as a coach. Uh, But the great thing about his season is, despite the fact that he only played three games in his last season, he still made the Neeful team of the season on the halfback flank. Yep. And he had a pretty good grand final. So, (laughs) you know, along with Marsh, I I thought those two were among the better players. They were certainly the best defenders. Um, Yep. Yeah, it's um, a bit disappointing to see him go, but he has been a wonderful servant for the club. Mm. And uh, to go with other shuffles, uh, last week, Henry Playfair announced that he's going to move on from the club. Uh, I think he played uh, just a handful of games. Uh, I'm not sure how many games he actually played for the club. Yeah, just a handful, I think, towards the end of his career, yeah. They they were um, certainly far from impressive too, so... Uh, it's during um, the time. Um, when like, Daniel Brayshaw was playing for us as well, wasn't he? Mark Seabee in those sort of times. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He played 16 games for us over two seasons. Mm. Um, he kicked 14 goals. Oh, not awful. Not awful. <laughs> it's um, not Chambers-like. But... <laughs> <laughs> but he did play in that semi-final uh, against us. Um he didn't play in the uh, Premiership side in 2017. Uh, sorry, 2007. But look, I think he's um, he's done well for the club. He has been uh, a forwards and defenders coach. Uh, he was a forward coach in our Premiership season, which I thought was probably a very good achievement considering... He wasn't. We had no uh, forwards. We had no forwards, and he wasn't a particularly good forward. <laughs> he yeah. was. I think he was. Uh, what position would you say he was? Like a full forward? Oh, I wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> oh, I would say he's either a full forward or a centre half forward. He after sixty eight yeah. games, he kicked forty three goals. So mm. he actually had more hitouts than goals. So I'm not quite sure what position he played. I don't know, maybe third tall, third tall four target, but then he pinches... God, he's tall for a third off. tall. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking no- about third in terms of quality, not height. Oh, yeah, in terms of quality, yeah, he's 198 <laughs> centimetres, so uh, yeah, he's a very like- tall boy. But uh, I think he's done well for um, for himself as a coach. and Yeah, he'll have learned a lot. And he's only 34. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. surprised by that. So he's had 10 years with the club playing and coaching and I think he's been great for the club in that time and uh, even when he didn't play he never he was never one of those guys to step out of line he was very professional never complained yeah uh, and now he's off to uh, St Kilda as an assistant coach so yes exactly so might see him as a senior coach one of these days yeah we never know but uh, look I think he'll do good things at St Kilda and he'll help build their culture as well so yeah definitely um, 
Good luck to him. Now yeah. let's let's have a bit of a chat about the Brownlow. Um, I don't know how much you watched, but I watched from the first round onward. Did you watch any of the red carpet? Uh, I've, I've I've seen some of the pictures from the red carpet. Unfortunately, I was coming home from work, so I I didn't get to sit through the how it was three and a half hours of riveting television that, that always happens <laughs> on Brownlow night. When, um, yeah. Well, when Brendan Favola isn't absolutely off his tits. Um, oh, thank God, Brendan Favola wasn't on this time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you what, at least that's entertainment. God. <laughs> oh man, uh, to be honest, they might have actually needed him at some points. It was uh, it was a bit dry and a bit boring. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I, 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 I've caught up on all the things that happened. For, I, would, I just want to state right off the bat here: Jeremy Howe was robbed of Mark yep. of the Year. Oh yeah, uh, yes, agreed. Yep, and I think Daniel Rioli was not Goal of the Year. Nope, um, close. Yep, but. Anyway, there you Did go. You the Did you see the selection panel? Did you see the selection panel for Goal yeah, of the Year? Mick Malloy, um, Bartlett. No, uh, yeah, Bartlett, and I think oh. Richards, Richo. I think I think Richardson or <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're all bloody oh. uh, Richmond supporters. That's ridiculous. I, I, the, look, um, I saw the selection panel. I was just like, are you are you bloody kidding me? What the that's fuck? That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> ridiculous. The I, All I, Australian. Yeah, you can laugh at that. Mate, it's either you laugh or you cry. <laughs> the, the All Australian was stacked with Richmond players or Richmond people associated or linked to Richmond. And yeah. then the uh, voting panels were stacked with, you know, it's the same thing again, people connected to that club. So uh, it's just you scratch your head and. It's a, I know we talked about the MRP, but you've got Dangerfield coming out saying it needs to be changed. You've got, um, what's his name, who quit this year. He was from Geelong. I've got a mind blank. Number oh. three, Bartel. So, Bartel quit. He said it's too rigid, you know, they don't take into account 40 acts. But he's kind of treating it like the tribunal. And some of the things yeah. he was saying... Like, they have conversations about, was he trying to do this? And then they have another player come in and go, no, 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 he was trying to do this. And then they just sit there for like an hour trying to convince each other. When really they have that kind of rubric of, you know, uh, intentional carelessness and severe, high, low impacts exactly. and that sort of things. Exactly. It really shouldn't take more than 10 minutes. And it should just be them sitting in a room. Tick just a saying, boxes. Right, it's this. Tick a box. Yeah, exactly. Straight off to the tribunal if they don't like it. Yeah, there needs to be less um, kind of um, and and ahhing and did he, didn't he, and all this kind of... Oh, they're just dilly-dally and... Making these ridiculous interpretations, yeah. Not only is it not consistent, it's completely inconsistent, but it's also completely unpredictable. Mm. And there always seems to be different scales of punishment for different players. And there's always different scales of punishment for different games. Hmm. So, yeah, you've always someone known. Say that, someone well, said that Buddy Franklin um, gets a pretty good deal sometimes from the MRP, but he um, hasn't done anything recently. To not recently, there was last last year, wasn't it? When he had he that, did a, um, a bump, bump, but I mean, but he copped him in the shoulder. It was shoulder to shoulder, yeah, exactly. and the, it was shoulder to shoulder, and it was a massive was, bump. But the guy just whacked his head on the ground. There was nothing in it. No, nah, no. Nah. Um, it's just, I remember Chris Judd getting off for eye gouging. Oh, God. And then he got off for almost the dislocating some wing. guy's shoulder. Yep, the chicken wing. Chicken wing. Serioli got off for chicken winging. Mm. Um, I think, was it Judd I, and Campbell I'm, Brown, the, the eye I gouging? To, yeah, I just have to kind of restrain my inner. Stevens to goal, Stevens goal, pressure point, pressure point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pressure oh. point. <laughs> and I, I just, I couldn't <laughs> believe it at the time. When the tribunal actually allowed Campbell Brown to do testimony to say he didn't actually get him in the eye, when you could quite clearly see on the video, his finger was like an inch deep into his eye. Oh, God. Yeah, look. Yeah, enough of I'll that. Just, yeah. I'm just shaking my head right. You can't see it. And, yeah. And, and listeners, you can't see it, but I'm just shaking my head. I'm right shaking now. my head too. Look, it's yeah. we, we could do 14 episodes on this every year, and we'd still never get to the end of it. But yeah. uh, look, 
The Swans did well at the Brownlow. Uh, Kennedy finished number one for the Swans with 23. 23 massive Brownlow votes. So that's another great season from him. You know, considering his slow start as well. And Mm. overall, he finished third. Then you had Franklin. He had 22. Uh, So he finished uh, fourth overall. Now, this is also taking into account that Dangerfield was suspended. So... Being ineligible, he finished second, but because he was ineligible uh, in the overall rankings, he he doesn't exist. So he may as well have had zero votes. Uh, And Parker finished with 16. So the Swans were very well represented. Um, So also we had Sinclair. He got three for his game against St. Kilda. Uh, Yes. Chief got some (laughs) votes. Reed got three. Um, Yep. So I'm I'm just trying to I'm trying to find them all. So Reed got three, Rowan got three, Heath Grundy got two. Yeah, can, uh, I just, can I just butt yep, in there? Yep. I am absolutely thrilled that Heath Grundy got, got some recognition. I know. I know. Bloody hell! Like <laughs> midfielders what does it take? Like the, the midfielders have the brown low, the forwards have the Coleman. There's nothing to kind of give recognition to a, a damn good defender, and. I mean, honestly, if, you, if that was weight, if that was weighted well at all, Grundy would have to be in the top, oh, top fifteen or something. And if they measured that in, he's just yeah, yeah, absolutely. In terms of lockdown defenders, he'd be, I, I would say, definitely top five in the comp. I reckon. Oh yeah, absolutely, no question about that. And the thing is, the umpires don't see that; they only no. see the players of the ball, um, which is why there's there always. Go. An asterisk on this award because although it's the AFL's highest award, it really um, kind of really is only focused on one set of players, or at least the really um, I don't know exciting players. Quantum so, for one, how he got top ten baffles me. He had such yeah. a underwhelming season, yeah, and yet still gets top ten. Like, yeah. I know, uh, more more shaking of the head. Oh look, I was. Um, Oh, man, I I was shocked to see Dangerfield um, almost finish with the highest number of votes. And I, um, I, I was so shaking my head every time I got three against Collingwood, where he had thirty-two disposals, eleven clearances, five or six tackles, or something. Didn't get yeah. a vote. I and know, you, and he missed out on uh, missed out on being first by three votes. Yep, I'm just thinking the AFL kind of maybe you know saving themselves a bit of embarrassment or something like that by I'm. I'm just, just suggesting. Oh, I, I don't know. I haven't proof I, to back this at all, but tell yeah, you what. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just one of those. God, it's just one of those. Ah, uh, but yeah, look, the yeah. the Swans overall, they did well. Um, yes, I, yes, it's, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, Franklin, Franklin had five votes in the first two games. So yeah, yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's a good it's situation. The only non midfielder in the top ten as well. So. And he finished um, fourth overall, yeah. Yeah, it just goes to show that he's um, a step above every other forward in the competition. Oh, and, by a long way. Yeah, I, I, oh, I would love if he managed to win a brown low one year. Yeah, well, look, the votes that he's been getting the last couple of years, uh, people who won brown lows on him, you know, 22, 23, yeah. 10 years ago was what you had to get to win a brown low. Now you've got to get That's 40. You've got to get 40 crazy. votes. Yeah. So, I, I uh, was disappointed that Tom Mitchell finished with so many. I don't think he should have finished with that many. But, you know, he mm-hmm. had a good year. I don't think yeah. um, Dangerfield should have finished with any near as much as he finished with. Um, I think Duncan should have finished with more. Um, Menegola should have more. There were players that I thought that had a better season than him. Um, mm. And he was getting three votes in games that he didn't deserve to get three votes, so... No. And there were Actually, other games. I, I saw a I saw a talking point um, on one of the forums that could, uh, you know, kind of made, made me think of it. And I'd like to hear your thoughts. It was um, yep. So once the players get suspended, should they be ineligible for receiving any Brownlow votes in the subsequent rounds? Yeah, well, probably because it makes them, you know, receiving votes pointless, doesn't it? Yeah, the only, um, I think the way I 
first thought was that they should have all their votes taken like taken away and like maybe Mario ret- retrospectively kind of awarded again. But I mean, it's all about the balance between you know best and fairest. Um, yeah. If if you do that, I think there's a there's a slight danger of the reward going away from the yeah. best players. Um, there's always going to be bias, and I remember Greg Williams. Yeah. Um, he missed out on winning a Brownlow uh, because I remember he claimed the umpires were out to get him. This is um, what was this like ninety five, ninety six, or something? Yeah, back then, yeah. So, yeah, look, it's one of those ones where I think. <sighs> Did he deserve to be suspended in the first place? I think that's the question you've got to ask. That's the question you have to ask. Well, when you see that people like Cochin, you know, getting off three times for doing his crap, like, and makes then, you wonder. And Dangerfield getting done for two weeks for an accidental um, bump. <laughs> when he tackled him, he didn't... What he, Cochin did. Well, he didn't sling him to the ground like um, Brody Grundy did. No. He didn't dump him. He just tackled him hard and um, he went forward with him and his head hit the ground. Mm. And I remember at the time when he got two weeks, that was not two weeks. That wasn't even worth a week. No. Yeah, I think I think we've, we've made it clear that it's a, it really is a coin flip, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's pointless now because AFL spent such a long time this season trying to mandate the fact that if anyone gets concussed, the person who concusses them misses. And, yeah. then, and then that Cochin incident happens. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so... G'day, fellas. Hey, you're joining in now, are you? <laughs> yeah, I just got home. Am I too late to jump in? No, no, no. We're nearly at the end. We're going to uh, do our prelim wrap-up. So we've already talked about the MRP for about 35 minutes. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> the disgraceful Cochin decision. Yeah, and then uh, we had yeah, a bit of a giggle, bit of a giggle at the Brownlow. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't watch it, to be honest. So. No, well, uh, let's let's do a quick, a quick wrap-up of the prelims. So, Adelaide went exactly to plan. They just, uh, they thrashed Geelong. And that, that game was never in doubt, even in the week leading up. So... I don't know what you guys thought. Did you guys think that Geelong had a chance at all to win that game? Oh, uh, favourites. <laughs> for good reason. Yeah, Rowan, you? This is just throwing everything off, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, give us your opinion. All right, well, uh, Adelaide definitely went in hot favourites. Uh, didn't disappoint, really. Um, Not by this one. by about... Oh, well, we're not talking about that. Remember last time, Justin? Uh, I probably had the, the Crows up by six goals in the end. I'm not sure what the final score was. Um, a big win. It was a big win. Um, Dangerfield early on was pretty good. Um, Selwood coming back on at the end. I don't know what they were doing there. That was a bit bit suspect on the medical, medical <laughs> side of things. I don't know whether they quick jab and then getting back out there, but... Yeah, Just another, another chapter in the How Brave is Joel Selwood, I guess. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Look, um, I uh, would have been shocked if Adelaide did anything other than smash them and they, and they delivered. So the uh, surprising thing is that they had 31 scoring shots and Geelong had 25 scoring shots, but that doesn't take into account the number of on the fools they also had. And they had a few, so... It's a, it's a pretty big margin, 61 points. Uh, Geelong could have narrowed it down to more like uh, four or five goals had they been a bit more accurate, but the game was over 15 minutes into the first quarter. Um, Adelaide pretty much you know, had it on ice ever since. And then we had the Tigers give the Giants a bit of a touch-up on Saturday twilight afternoon. Did you guys catch this game? Yeah, I did. Didn't go to the game, unfortunately, but um, I caught, caught most of it on telly, and I think um, I think that game showed a how young the Giants still are, because um, they held in there for a fair chunk of the game, but eventually just lost in, especially in the fourth. Um, it showed how important Dylan Shield is to their structures yes, and yes. to once they were that kind of you know one rotation down, and especially if. 
pretty, I, I would say their best mid, uh, their best midfielder behind Callum Ward. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, they they just found themselves struggling from there. I think, and I mean credit to Richmond as well. They played a really played their style of, of like high pressure footy. Um, and by the way, Nan Curvis, I mean he wasn't he didn't have a starring game or anything, but just the little things he did. Yeah. Oh, he was good. He was good. The pressure was uh, the pressure was sensational, uh, especially his tackling and uh, physical work. It was very Mumford like. Mm. And Rowan? Yeah, got to back up what Stephen says about the Giants showing their age. Um, I thought they kept up early in, early in the game, first quarter. They were neck and neck, and then once the real uh, pressure finals footy hit, they sort of got left behind and uh, summed up the first half. And I think it was Jonathan Patton, was it? Took the mark on the siren. And played on. My mate sitting next to me just screaming, don't play on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, next thing he's tried on. a little cheeky handball over the top. I don't know what Green was doing calling for it in the first place. Yeah. It shouldn't have been, but no. Um, well, that's probably just showed the yeah showed the, the immaturity. The I mean, they've got the raw talent, but until they sort it out between the years, um, they're going to be what, perennial shooters. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, Stevie Johnson in the third quarter, like they had plenty of opportunities to get back in the game, if not. Draw leveled, you know, go ahead in the third quarter. And Steve Johnson had two excellent opportunities. The first one, uh, the commentators were saying, I think it was Basil, Basil Zemphilis and uh, whoever mm. the other Tigers person was. I think it was um, Richo. And they kept on saying, oh, he's too far out. He's going to play on or he's going to dish it off. And then I can't I, I can't remember what he did on, on each one of them. But I know the first one was just a terrible turnover. And then he had another opportunity from closer in but he was on an angle, and then he did the same thing again, and it was just another horrible turnover. Yeah, it was a handball to someone under pressure, and I think... Oh, that's right, the hospital handball, and it just yeah. went straight up the other end for a goal. Straight up the other end, and I think it was it was Stevie J in that third quarter, his decision-making. I'm not sure whether he was just out of confidence or lost his mojo or something, but also Heath Shaw as well had a couple of oh. really, really bad moments. He and had a shocking final series. Those are the guys who... You know, the Giants brought in to give that sort of experience and level-headedness and, you know, composure in the big moments, and that just really didn't happen. No. And I thought, overall, Shaw had a really poor final series. Uh, mm-hmm. He showed maybe maybe he's getting to the end, and uh, maybe he's... Or maybe he's just down on confidence. But in the first final, he was making some absolute horrendous decisions against Adelaide. Uh, he got... Mm-hmm. Burnt something shocking um, by bets. So, yeah, look, um, Dylan Shield going off was probably the uh, the one moment that changed a match. And um, the Tigers, they may have always gone on to win it. But I think um, had Shield been there for the whole match, I think that that could have been a lot closer. And I think uh, even the Giants could have led in the third quarter. They certainly would have led at halftime. Yeah. Because they, they honestly, they got to tell a goal in front and they look like they were about to go on with it too. They seriously looked the better team in the second quarter. A lot better. But uh, look, you know, that's it. The Tigers are into the grand final. And so now that we're on to our grand final, let's have a quick chat about the game itself. So we've got Adelaide in their first grand final since uh, 1998 and Richmond in their first grand final since 1982. So, Stephen, kick us off with your thoughts of the grand final. Yeah, two teams we haven't seen there in a while. I'm not going to touch the whole Guernsey Gate sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think bloody Kevin Butler's raged on oh. enough for everyone. Um, blah, 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 uh, Tigers, blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that seems to be all he does. Um, but, look, I mean, what should happen, Adelaide should win unconvincingly. Yep. But I think this season uh, has been just one of those crazy ones. And, you know, I think I think the crowd, which was such a such a massive influence, I think, for them, especially last week and the week before, um, I don't think it'll be there as much because, you know, the grand final is more a day for the corporates than the average punter. I think um, instead of, you know, there being 90,000 screaming rabid Tigers fans they might be closer to 60-55 you know, yeah 
yeah, 60-55 and that. I mean, they'll give Adelaide a bit more of an advantage. Um, and Adelaide, uh, I think they have what fifty-five, sixty thousand members themselves. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll have a they'll have a decent um, backing in terms of the crowd size and stuff at the at the G. Um, and look, I they should win. They really should. They've been the best team all year. Um, I, yeah, they should win. But I just. This season's been absolutely bonkers, yep. and I'm just I'm just too hesitant to say anything now. I just want 2018 to kick in and be a little yep. bit more predictability, please. And Rowan, yeah, like Stephen said, Adelaide the better team should win. Uh, two horse race on the day. Who knows? Um, who knows what directives the umpires might get given? Uh, it's the fairy tale of the year. So, I mean, a, a Richmond win means dollars for the AFL. Don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist yeah, it here. It does. Um, it really does. I, I probably am, but um, yeah. And no, I think Adelaide will get them over the top. They should probably be a four-goal better team on the day. And mm. I think Stephen makes yeah. a good point about it's going to be a lot of corporates there. It's going to be it's They're quieter. They, always, they yeah. always say the preliminary final is the is the final for the fans. Um, I don't know whether the Tigers have peaked last week. Um, yeah. Well, the one thing... Going to go Adelaide by about eight goals. Yeah, they they honestly should, but there is one thing that the players have regularly said, and the coaching as well, is that they have been riding on that emotion, uh, especially with the crowd support behind them. And they've had two games with at least 90,000 supporters, at least 90,000 of their own supporters at the game. Yeah, but I think Adelaide might just have the stronger emotions riding with them, given their circumstances. I think they're both both teams coming in. Tigers riding the, you know, the everyone's on the Tiger train, uh, all that sort of emotion, whereas Adelaide's yep. a bit more of a, a deeper, heartfelt emotion. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah Phil Walsh didn't happen that long ago, uh, his passing, so I'm sure he'd be in the minds yeah. of, a lot of the, um, a lot of the players coming into this week. Yeah. But look, uh, for, for myself, I, I agree with both. I think uh, I'm going to sit somewhere in the middle. I think they're about a 30 point, 30 to 35 point better team. I think uh, the first 35, 40 minutes are going to be close. Um, the Tigers are going to go lock down as much as they can. It's their only way to win, actually, to be honest, is to try and lock them down. But given the way the season's gone, I wouldn't put it past a draw extra time yeah. Tigers after the siren win. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and on that, let's have a quick, very quick chat about the umpires. Thank God Nichols didn't get a grand final. He has, he has yeah. had <laughs> two absolutely shocking finals. I don't even know how he got a second final after his um, elimination final, or let alone a prelim. It's shocking final series. Um, but apparently he is the best bouncer, so who the, who the fuck knows? But he's a shocking umpire and fortunately he didn't get it we've got Simon Meredith um, Matt Stevick and Sean Ryan the three most experienced umpires and the uh, emergency uh, I'm not sure who the emergency is it doesn't say it's got to be Razor 8 isn't it no 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 it's um, it's it's the guy who's got seven AFL grand finals Abernethy I can't remember but it's basically it's arguably the most experienced um, umpire lineup they could have put in for the grand final instead of introducing and, some idiot like they did last year. I mean, for everyone's sake, I'm just glad Hawthorne's not playing while Stevick's there <laughs> yeah. and the Bulldogs aren't playing while Jeffrey's there. So I'm not too sure oh, yeah. who Meredith follows, but it's probably going to come out in the watch that he's a Tiger supporter and, yeah. you know, Tigers will get up. So, Oh, look, Sean Ryan's, um, he's pretty consistent, so... I think uh, I think they'll do fine. Meredith is a, he can be a bit of a pleb at times, but I think uh, Ryan will do just fine. So um, yeah, look, the umpires aren't too bad. Now we do have a couple of quick questions, uh, so let's go through them nice and quick. So Josh asks from Facebook, what kind of players should we target in the draft trade period, and what is the crew's thoughts on Stevie J as the next four coach? Uh, Stephen, do you want to give us a, a quick answer to that one? All right. So in terms of um, drafts and trade stuff, I really don't think we need too much, to be honest. But if there isn't any kind of glaring lack of um, proficiency in one area or the other, 
maybe a, if a really solid uh, key defender came up, that would be good. Um, if I, I imagine we'd be you know having quiet chat with North Melbourne about Todd Goldstein or one yep. of their ruckmans. Um, oh, and Bruce is also available as well. So yeah, I think Bruce, they announced yeah. they're going to keep Goldstein. Oh, okay. Well, if that's the case, then well, they definitely. They, I think they'll definitely be getting rid of Door. And I'm not sure if they'll be able to play Goldstein and Preuss in the same kind of team. I think Goldstein might be able to play Ford a bit, but, um, yeah, it's, it'd be a struggle. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those two go. Look, if I reckon um, if we could get Goldstein, I'd definitely bring him in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like Straight a... Straight Yeah, yeah. I, I, give him play a first round pick. Don't care. Just bring him in. And yep. um, Rowan, what do you think, mate? Uh, well, I think we're going to target some outside speed. Um, we don't really have anyone in that in that wingman role that since Jetta left. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of players that could could do it, but I'm not sure whether they're cut out to be AFL level wingmen. So I wouldn't mind them. Yeah. Targeting yeah. Maybe someone like an Isaac Smith from from the Hawks or. Oh yeah. Somewhere yeah. in a similar. Uh, not Andrew Gaff. I mean, he's he's yeah. not bad. Gaff was floated to me today because uh, obviously over in Perth, yeah. it's all the, mm. the uh, made the news today. Uh, Gaff was floated as an idea. But the last but, thing uh, we need is some guy who can run a lot. But when it yeah, gets going, when, when it gets real tough, he kind of is nowhere. He's basically sitting in Rosette. Yeah, I don't think he's yeah. won a hard ball all year. So. In terms of um, outside mids, though, um, we've got obviously we've got foreign developing, and I've still got kind of high hopes for him. Uh, we've also got an academy boy who is eligible this year, who was in the Allies squad, um, so played in the under eighteen championships. James Bell. Um, yep. Now a bit a bit on him. He's a uh, you know kind of he's a kind of that classy outside mid. Got a bit of dash on him. Um, was in the Western Sydney Wanderers uh, other football academy. Yep. Uh, until I think it was about 11 or 12 and made the switch to the Swans Academy. Yeah. Um, in terms of where he'll go, I'm thinking maybe very late in the draft we might even be able to just rookie him. Um, but he's one who shows a bit of something. Um, I hope, I do think that he's got that X factor and whilst he doesn't kind of have the consistency yet, and that's his main problem at the moment, but, you know, maybe a few years in the Swans, uh, the Swans gyms, uh, getting that up, and he might be a good contributor for us. But um, in terms of other academy stuff, um, I don't think there's too much in terms of the higher end of the draft. Yeah. Um, the the big one is Nick Blakey, who isn't eligible till next year's draft. Next year, yeah, yeah. But he's got he's going to be our key forward for the next ten twenty years. It'll be our buddy replacement. He'll. He's one of the better key position uh, forwards in the next year's draft, and yeah. he'll probably go top ten. So uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see us go for a few future picks uh, in terms yeah, of training have this to. year as well. It's meant that. Look, there's there's options uh, internally for wingmen, and um, I know I floated this about Gary Rowan. He's someone whose position could change, and. Um, Got a really nice feedback from his uh, from his wife too, Amy. She said it was a good article. She enjoyed it, so I was oh, very right. happy about that. <laughs> so, but look, I floated Gary Rowan as an option to move into the midfield or closer to the ball. Uh, that's something that he has personally said that when he gets the ball early on in the match, he feels a lot more comfortable. Um, Murray is an option. Um, he's on the rookie lists. He is very quick. Uh, he's very evasive. He's not too bad with the ball in hand either. Uh, and he has a very penetrating kick. So he's kind of got very similar uh, pace to what Jetta used to have. And um, he could be an option. Otherwise, Nick um, Isaac Smith is one I've floated before. Uh, I mean, if we can it resurrect... Oh, mate, if we could resurrect e- um, Embley from like 2005, 2006, take him in a heartbeat. But <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, they're... Um, they're um, a diamond in the rough, those kind of players, you know, the strong, physically strong, quick, good outside players that can even, you know, move inside occasionally. Uh, and the other one, just real quick, uh, what do you guys think about Stevie J as our forward coach? Uh, Rowan, you want to kick us off? Well, he's probably got a bit of a similar personality to someone like Tom Papley. Um, yep. 
not quite on the same pest levels, uh, but obviously he's what is he a four-time premiership player, four or three-time, um, yeah, multiple All Australians, that sort of stuff. So he's got Norm he's, Smith from two thousand and seven as well. Yeah, they call him Normie. So oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, just 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 bringing that that winning experience. He's been been at Geelong. Um, they probably had what a eighty-five percent win rate while he was there. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, just just brings the winning mentality. It's what, it's what the young guys need. Uh, hopefully, he's you know doesn't get put up on the non-dickhead policy. But um, and just but just double check. I'm not sure whether he's changed yet, after the year. What's that? I'm sorry. I just uh, double checking. This hasn't been confirmed yet that he's coming to the Swans. It's just talk at this no, stage. No, this yet. is this is still speculation. But we did write it on the blog more than a month ago. So it's um. It's oh, pretty much just the exclusive. Yeah, well, I, I would hope to have the exclusive, but uh, look, if it does happen, it's uh, the rumor mill's been going for well over a month about it. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, I reckon his time at GWS would also really help him with that kind of coaching mentality as well. So, I think he'd be a he'd be a good one to take there. Because at the moment, our Ford's coach is. Uh, well, was Kirk was with Kirk, yeah. uh, Fours, wasn't he? Yeah, he yeah, is so this he year. I don't know if he'll be doing it next year. So. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, especially if CBJ comes in to do that role. Um, well, but I imagine Kirk yeah. would be happy doing anything. If Drew, if Drew leaves, um, or even if Blakey leaves. Oh, please don't leave, Dewey. No, but I think, uh, um, I think if either of those two leave, Kirk will step up. So I wouldn't even be surprised if Drew left that Kirk stepped up into the senior assistant yeah. He's probably like the next best assistant, you know, senior assistant coach that we have. Um and and, and on the Stevie J thing, uh I think like going as far back as um I think 2010, um his coach um jeez, what's his I've got mind blank tonight. So Bomber Thompson. Yeah, Bomber Thompson was saying that he will, he had basically the best football brain he's ever seen a player have. Uh, he yeah, would be well, yeah. a ridiculously good coach. And this is back when he was still playing in premierships. And then he said it again two years ago. He said he's just got the best football brain. He knows everything that's happening light years ahead of everyone else. He coaches. He's a, he's a coach on the field. And you watch him with the GWS. And he, he was that. He was coaching him on the field. So, I think we as a club would be mad to say no to him to, to bring in him yeah. I think it would just be something ridiculous to say nah you're not coming but uh, look um, that's going to be it for tonight thank you for jumping in at the last minute Rowan it's been a pleasure no worries Justin thanks and Stephen as always thank you for joining me yeah thanks Justin it's good good podcast yeah. Well, uh, look, before we wrap up, um, we've got some dates for our next podcast. So we will be back next week after the grand final. And this will be that will be our last regular season podcast. So we'll cover off the grand final and any other Swans news. Uh, and f- going forward, we are looking at doing a live podcast during the Bob Skilton medal count. We are also looking to do a live podcast during the trade week. We're going to have some more information uh, and time on that, but that's going to be on the 11th of October. Then a week later, we'll do another podcast at the end of the trade period. This will be discussing free agents, trades, etc. and so forth. And then at the end of the month on the 31st, we're going to do another podcast and we're going to discuss the whole trade period through October, the list lodgements, who's available, uh, especially for the delisted free agency windows. Um, there might be some players that we can pick up. So then we're gonna we're on a bit of a sabbatical for three weeks before we pick up at the end of the second delisted free agency window. And we're going to do a review on that. Then a week after that, we're looking to do a live draft podcast. So we will be bringing some more information about that later on when we know exactly what time it will be, what time we're going to start up, that sort of thing. And then we'll pick it back up in the new year, almost two months later. And that'll be that for the podcast for the year. So... As always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using the tag, the Swans blog. You can also send us your questions and comments during the week, anytime with the hashtag SwansCast. And 
Everyone, thank you for joining us this year. It has been a pleasure. We'll be back soon. So don't forget, next week and throughout the off-season. As always, go Swans. Go Swans.